If you were here the last, uh, if you were here last week, we have been doing a, last week, we, thank you, Ernest. That's what getting right up on 50 will do for you. <laughs> if you were here last week, we talked about, you know, that each one of us has a, has a destiny, has a God-given purpose. And, and, and Heart of David, the ministry that I work for, we call that your why. Like, what is your why? And we talked about this last week. And I, look, I do encourage you if, you, if you weren't here, go back and listen to the podcast. But I'll, I'll summarize it for you real quick. You were created to soar in your why. Your why was given to you for such a time as this. Finding your why, finding your purpose requires losing yourself. And your why, if you don't hear me say anything more than this, your why begins and ends in Jesus. Begins and ends in Jesus. Several years ago, I was on a plane, I mean, Several years ago, I was on the plane. I met this guy named Michael. Michael was, he was in his early 40s, I guess. And he, he was from the projects of, of Houston. And Michael sat down next to me and, and I was in medical sales at the time and I was studying some anatomy books and, and Michael happened to open some up too. And I was like, yo, what, what's this all about? He said, oh man, I'm, I'm in med school. Well, you're kind of old for med school, aren't you? He said, yeah, I had a career before this. Really? What was it? He said, well, I was in the, I was in the military. I was an, an attorney uh, for JAG. I said, really? Yeah. Well, what are you doing? Well, I, ju- I, just, I just left. I just retired. I said, well, hold up, hold up. You spent 20-something years, and he stopped me and goes, listen, man, hold up. I know where you're going. When I was 17, I left home. I went to the military because I knew there was more. I knew there was more. So I also knew the military would, would pay for my education. So I allowed them to do that. And in doing so, I thought, well, I can be a lawyer. Can I? Yeah. You mean I can go to law school and y'all will pay for it? Yeah. I'm smart enough to go. Yeah. Wow. I'll do that. And he did it. He went on to tell me about his four girls that he had, which I'm one of four boys and I know what my mom went through and I've got two girls and that's all I can handle. Two girls. And I, I didn't have two at the time, but I looked at him and I said, man, why? Why? Why would you do this? Why? 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 You know what he said to me? It's who I am. It's who I am. My kids deserve their father's best. And I just, I couldn't believe what I was hearing. See, I'd been working with a lot of residents at the time here at UMC, and I knew what they went through and also knew that they were in their their mid-20s, and this dude was 20 years older than them, but yet 
what he was willing to do, what he was willing to sacrifice because he knew his purpose. He knew why he was here. He knew how God had made him. It made a forever impact on me. I can't forget it. I never will forget it. Michael. I wish I'd stayed in touch with Michael. Because see, what I've learned in my, in my short time here on earth is that there are barriers that we put up, barriers that keep us from our, from our why, from the desires of our heart. That when, when our will, when we start, when we come together with the Lord, see, we, we have a purpose, and he has a purpose for each one of us. And you know what? It's the reason you were designed. And see, what I found is the one thing that there's, there's one thing that can keep us from our why. One thing that can keep you, that can keep me from our destiny. You know what it is? So it's, it's just one thing. It's us. It's us. We are the only thing that stands between us and our destiny. Remember what I said earlier, but it begins in Jesus. See, that's the only thing. But I think in my life, what I've seen is that there's there's three main parts of the one thing that keep us from that. I see it all the time when I was on staff here. I see it all the time. So many people, eh, what's, my, what's my why? I don't know. I, I can't. I, 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 there's all these excuses. And I, I narrowed it down to three things. You know what it is? Your attitude. How you see things. How you see life. Is it positive? Is it negative? Number two are your failures and your fears. You know what the third third thing is? Real simple. It's your past. So the three things, the three subcategories that can keep us in Chris's opinion, but also see it in the Word, the three things that can keep us from our God-given destiny, how we see life, our fears and failures, and our past. In fact, I love what what um, I love what Abraham Lincoln said. Check this out. He said, "Most people are about as happy as they make their minds up to be." Most people are, and I'm gonna be honest. I was offended when I first read that. It's like, what you talking about, Abe? No, honest. You don't even know what you're talking about. I knew he wasn't a liar because I just grew up knowing he was honest, Abe. Obviously, he knew what he was talking about because all these studies have since then come out. And you know what it says? I'm going to summarize it for you, all right? I got all this. Y'all ready? Most people are about as happy as they make their minds up to be. You see, look, I'm going to just read some of them so you won't think I'm lying. There's a Russian psychologist named K. Kekchiev. And, and, all, and, and all that he defined happiness as this. A state of mind in which our thinking is pleasant and good a good share of the time. Not always, 
just the majority of the time. William Bates, he proved that your, your eyesight actually improves. Get this. Your eyesight improves when you think pleasant thoughts. Right? And then check whatever, went on to do a full-blown study, and this is what he found. All five of your senses improved when you were thinking pleasant thoughts versus unpleasant thoughts, so much so that your touch even improved. Your sense of touch. You became more sensitive because of what was going in your mind. And I want to tell you that the ministry that I work for, Heart of David, and all the sports camps that we do, and the so many kids that come through there, teenagers, I've learned this. That can't be any more true. I've seen lives radically changed from that simple truth that what goes in is what comes out. Mom and dad grew up telling me, you better be careful, don't listen to that music. You're going to burn. <laughs> Better watch out. Don't be saying, don't be hanging out with all those people. Don't be putting all that stupidness in your head. And guess what? Oh, they're right. And one day my kids are going to sit there and say the same thing. And I'll be like, yes. But see, those things. The bear, one of the barriers, right? How you see yourself. This summer, actually, I, pre- I, I preached a sermon on your attitude. And one of the things that we saw was this. We saw, we looked at scripture and Moses, God told Moses, all right, listen, here's the deal. Moses, you take 12 people. I want you to get 12 spies, right? And then y'all bust up into the promised land and y'all go like scout it out. And then you come on back and, and report to me and all the elders of Israel, like what you find. So they did. 12 of them went, they all came back. 10 of them were like, whoo, man, we can't go in there. Those people are huge. We can't do that. Man, they're like 10 feet tall. The Amorites, they're all there. They gave all these excuses. And then Joshua and Caleb, two of them, you know what they said? We got this. Man, you should see the opportunity, Moses. Man, there's so much. I know, look, there. yeah, there's giants, but man, you ought to see. We got this because, see, the Lord's on our side. We got it. Here's the irony behind that. Only two people saw their destiny. Only two people walked in to the promised land. Only two people, not of 12, but of an entire nation. Joshua and Caleb were the only ones that made it into the promised land. Also, their attitude, how they saw things. What's your attitude like? Are you naturally pessimistic? What do you do? Do you let the little things of life just knock you down, just destroy you? Do you go through life just finding excuses, 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 excuses? You are a sum of your thoughts. I know mom and dad would tell us that, but it's true. You are a sum of what's your thoughts. In fact, Maxwell Malt found this in a book, Psycho-Cybernetics, which I want you to know it. It freaked me out. It, it radically changed me. Is, is, is this. Your thoughts determine your self-image. Your actions, your feelings, your behaviors, even your abilities are always consistent with your self-image is number one. The second thing he found is that your self-image can be changed. 
It can be changed. He was saying, look, you're saying, the stuff that comes in is what comes out. But see, there's nothing new here. Because Solomon told us the same thing in Proverbs, Proverbs 4. So, Solomon said, be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. And I think if we look in today's scripture and we look at Luke 5 verse 12, it says, while Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with, pay attention to that, covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. He was a leper. He was a leper. And like, that wasn't a good thing to be back then, especially when it says that he was covered. See, there's two kinds of leprosy back then. There was like the kind where you just got like the rash, you know, like a little poison ivy act type deal. A lot worse than that, just, you know, just for a visual. Don't be calling me out after the sermon or whatever. I, you, you know where I'm going with that. The second thing was like it, when it got to the point where it killed your nerve endings. Do you know that? It would kill your nerve endings. So like you would see lepers sometimes that didn't have fingers and didn't have toes. And guess what? You know what one of the most common things that they lost was? Was their nose. That's pretty nice. That's crazy, isn't it? And see, here's, the, here, here's what even baffles me even more. Did you know that they could not, by law, get within six feet of somebody? Unless it was windy outside. And then it went to 150 feet. They had to live outside of town. Alone in isolation. And, and how do you know that, Chris? I know it because the Bible tells us that. The Bible tells us in Leviticus 13, the, the, the person with such an infectious disease must wear torn clothes. Let his hair be unkept. Cover the lower part of his face and cry out, unclean, unclean. Cry out, unclean, unclean. As long as he has the infection, he remains unclean. He must live alone. He must live outside of camp. Can you imagine what that dude felt? And yet, he had, he had every reason to be like, man, I, I, peace out. But what'd he do? What'd he do? Lord, if you're willing, you, what's the next word? You can. And he can. You can make me clean. See, the irony behind that is like, you had to be healed before you could be cleansed. See, he was taking it one step further. He said, you can. Not only can you heal me, but you can cleanse me. Do you live a life with a you can attitude? Do you? Because one of the things that I'm blown away by in this scripture is that Jesus had not yet healed a leper. What, why does that matter? Because this guy, what do you have it to base? What, what was he basing that from? He had not healed a leper. It wasn't like, like he didn't go, hey, Jesus. Oh, Johnny, my, 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 my homie over here, you already healed him, so like you can hook me up. No. 
He just said, you can. You can, Jesus. You know what I think about a lot? I wonder what happened after that. I wonder what his life was like after that. Because see, the you can attitude can push you towards your destiny. The you can attitude can push you towards your destiny. What is in you is greater than the circumstances that surround you. But how? How? All right, Chris, I get it. How? How? Chris, if I'm honest, man, I, you know what? My attitude's kind of, it's not all that good. I, I'm, I just, I get negative. And I can't help it. It's a habit. And you know what? You're exactly right. You know why? Because it's habitual, which is what Dr. Maxwell Maltz said. It's habitual, but it can be broken. And see, we see it all the time. I see radical lives changing from this. The challenge is, if you want to break it, stop putting it in. If you struggle with negativity, you probably shouldn't turn on the news. Just try, you know, give it a week. Let's just see what happens. You know, if you're at school and a bunch of people are gossiping, man, just get out of the way. Just remove yourself. And through that process, just go, God, would you, would you show me? Show me. Put, put good thoughts in my head. He'll do it. Years ago, when I was in medical sales, I accepted Christ. I mean, you know, and I want you to know it radically changed my life. And... There's this girl that worked, her name was Mindy Askew, and she worked over in Atlanta, and she was cool. She was, she was Jewish, and we were, we were buddies, and she noticed something different in me, and she said to me, Chris, what happened? I've noticed you become so spiritual. I said, yeah, I did. I, I went to this thing, and, but I never went, I never told her, the, like, fully. Because yeah, we were always rushed for time. We went to our national sales meeting and went to a dinner the night before we were supposed to leave. I was so excited. I was so excited because I knew Mindy had asked me some things and I was looking forward to, to telling her about the Lord. I mean, I was so fired up about this. And somebody at dinner... And I work for a big company. And you're not ever supposed to talk religion and politics with this company. But somebody at dinner was talking about, and they were, by the way, before I say this, there was booze everywhere, right? It's just the nature of that type of environment. But somebody at dinner talked about the foolishness of Christianity and how stupid it was and how it just didn't even make sense. Words like ridiculous, idiots came out. Mindy was sitting right next to me. And I was like, here goes. 
Here's my time. God was like, you wanted your time, Chris? Well, guess what? Here it is. He was like sitting on this shoulder. And then on this shoulder, I heard, Chris, dude, your job, like you, you've got a cush situation. Things are really, really good. You go, man, you, you might get fired. You better keep your mouth shut. And then I heard, Chris, wait a minute. Chris, I'll give you the words. Think about what I've said to you right here. I got, you just depend on me. I'll do it, I promise. Chris, are you serious? You're going to do that? Are you foolish? You're going to do that to your family? And see, in that moment, I want you to know, I, I caved. I chickened out. And I'll never forget the sound of that guy dogging Jesus. I'll never forget it. But you know what I will literally go to my grave with? It's the look on the face of Mindy as she sat right next to me. I'll never forget it. You know what it was? It was a look of confusion. She didn't understand why. Why would, I not, why, why would I not jump on that opportunity to defend something that was supposed to be so awesome that had changed my life? We went home the next day and Mindy got really sick. Turned out she had a brain tumor. I never saw her again. That was one of the absolute lowest points of my life, or my Christian life. You see, it was an epic failure of mine, and it was caused by the second thing, fear. Fear. And I love when in verse 10, then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid, from now on you will catch men. You know, we hear that all the time, don't we? Don't be afraid from now and you'll catch men. It's like, oh, awesome. But you know what? You know what the translation is? It's stop being afraid. Stop living in fear, Peter or Simon. He hadn't yet changed his name. Stop living in fear. And I had to ask myself, why, why is Peter fearful? Why is Peter fearful? And then I started thinking about all the things that I did know about this. Like, did you know that this was actually the second time that Jesus had called them, his disciples, to follow? See, we see that the, the first time was in Matthew 4, and then in Mark 1, and, and they had gone back to fishing. Was that the fear? Was there something going on right there? I don't know. Was it, was it finances? Was he, was he scared that, you know, man, I can't make a living. I can't support my family if I go do this. I don't know. We don't know. Was it a security? We don't know. Why? Because it doesn't say. And I'm reading between the lines. What I do know is based on Matthew 4 and Mark 1. I know that in John 1, Peter met Jesus the first time. And I know that in Mark 4 and Mark 1, that they called. Jesus called his disciples and they went back to fishing. But then, for whatever reason, when, when Jesus looks at him and says, stop living in fear, something changed. 
Something changed. In verse 8, you see that he fell to his feet and he said, go away from me. Go away from me. Go away from me, Lord. Like, uh. But see, here's, the, here, here, here's why I know something was up. In verse 5, Simon answered when Jesus said, hey, let down your nets. And I know he was, pro- Simon Peter had to be like, bro, you go like build something because you're like a carpenter. You leave the fishing up to me, right? I got the fishing. But we didn't see that. That's just my interpretation. The reason I say that is because it says Simon answered, Master. Actually, the translation for that is commander or leader or boss. But then, in verse 8, he refers to him as Lord. Lord, I'm sinful. And see, and then, when Jesus says, listen, stop being afraid. Stop living a life of fear. And you go be catchers of men because that's your destiny. That's exactly what happened. He did it. Stop living in fear. What are you living in? I think if we had a very honest conversation amongst ourselves, we would find that a lot of us are living in fear. God is calling us to do certain things. And maybe we're going, God, I'm too young for that. God, I can't do that. God, I'm too old. I've lived my whole life and you're saying do this and no, no, no. And God's calling you to do things because it is your God-given destiny and we've out of fear, we find reasons not to do it. What's he calling you to do? Because I can promise you this. He's calling you to do something. That is... Guaranteed. What failures are holding you back? What fears are holding you back? Are you willing, look at this, are you willing to fall to his knees and leave everything? You see, after that happened with Mindy, I felt guilt, I felt remorse, I felt shame, I felt everything you can imagine feeling. Because, see, I denied Jesus. But then something happened. Jesus said this. He said, Chris, Peter did it three times. Peter denied me three times. And I looked at him and said, you can be the rock. Do you live a you can life? Not just an attitude, but a life that you can get me past my fears. That moment when I felt the Lord say Peter did it twice is when I decided it right then. I would never let a fear keep me from accomplishing what I knew God wanted me to do. You see, your fears and your failures, they're given to you so that you can grow, so that you can learn, so that you can become who God made you to be, to strengthen you for his purpose. And the last thing is this. It's your past. It's your past. If there's anything that can keep you from your destiny that's within you, it is Overcoming your past. I can tell you who all the number of people that come and, and say this to me. And this is the only thing I can tell you about that. 
that holding on to the ugliness of your past will keep you from the beauty of your future. And you may be holding on to pain. You may be holding on to guilt. You may be holding on to mistakes. You may be holding on to a sin that you can't give up right now, some type of addiction. I don't know what it is. Something that you're going through, but I'm telling you, God is bigger. We just sang about it. You're punishing yourself. Some of you are. I know it. I've done it. The only reason I could write this was because I lived it. I know what it's like to punish yourself. But see, Jesus says, I've come to give you an abundant life. I've come to give you an abundant life, a life in abundance. And what he's doing is is he's holding it out there. And all he wants you to do is take it. Just take it. Because you were created to be great. You are God's child. You are his child. And when we, when we get that, there is a power. When you accept Christ, there is a power in you. And you know why we have that power? Because God is saying, you're going to go do something that only you can do. And if you trust in me, oh, you just wait. Because it is why you were created. It is why I knit you together. And, as, and when I tell you in Psalm 139 that I, I, I knitted you together, that you're my workmanship, I'm telling you that because I want you to know how much I love you. I do. That's what he's saying. Because I think when we realize the love that comes from him and we realize that the almighty God knitted us together, what are we fearful of? What are we fearful of? Ephesians 2.10 says that you're his workmanship. That you are his workmanship. The other translation, you're his masterpiece. Do you see yourself as a masterpiece? The only reason you don't see yourself as a masterpiece because you don't see yourself the way God made you, the way God sees you. That's my problem. That's all of our problems. I love what Peter said. You know, uh, Peter and David, you know, all the guys that made all these crazy mistakes, you know, and then God redeemed them. I love... I mean, they're instrumental in my life because I, can, I feel like I can relate to them so much. And so Peter had lived his whole life of like, you know, he'd done all these things. Jesus had used him and, and he would continue to just screw up. But then he would realize how bad he screwed up and then he'd be like, oh man, same as David. Same as David. But see, something happened. In fact, Peter even, even went as far in his letters that he wrote first and second Peter at, at the end of his life. Peter, he was bold. He had a confidence. He had an assurance. You see, in the same thing that Peter had when he stood up before the people in Acts 4 and he said, listen, Sadducees, I know y'all want to kill me. If I I keep saying this stuff, I know you're going to do it, but I don't care because I can't help proclaiming the almighty God in Jesus. See, he went from denying him to full of strength and power and living his almighty God-given purpose, and the same thing is available for each one of us here. You've got the same power. You've got the same strength. You want to overcome your past? Get in God's Word. 
God's word is so simple. You know, everybody gets tired of me saying this, but you know, Romans tells us just to get in, just to get in his word daily. Stop doing what everybody else does. Get in his word and allow it to transform your mind. And everybody's like, man, Kellum, why do you say that so much? Why do you say that so much? Man, can't you preach on anything else? And I said, I, yeah, I can, but I don't need to because that says it all. It says it all. Every single time I prepare messages, my wife gets to hear me. I get all this stuff ready, and I want to share all this cool knowledge, but the truth is God says no, because it isn't about you. It's about the fact that I just want my people in my word. Let me transform their life. Let me do almighty great things because they are worthy, and I'm worthy. You feel that? Do you feel the power that you have within you to overcome a bad attitude, to overcome your fears and your failures, and to overcome your past and live as an almighty child of God with a destiny that is good and perfect and pleasing and was made for you that you may be fearful of because you're unsure of it, but the almighty God that knit you together is saying, trust me because you just get ready because this is made for you. I challenge you. I challenge you. Put put it aside. If you know in your heart that you struggle with your attitude, or you know that there's things about your past, or you know there's these fears and these failures that you have, and only you knows about it, would you just get in his word and share it with him? Would you fall at his feet and sometime in the morning or whenever it is during that day, just just with this and give that to him? Would you lay that at these altars and watch the strength of the almighty God blow your life up? I challenge. That's what I challenge you. That's my challenge to myself. You see, God, Teddy says this all the time. Teddy, he says it all the time. God's in the business of using the least likely. God's in the business of using the least likely. I'm the least likely, you're the least likely. But we've seen so many things. God's done so many amazing things from a step of faithfulness. And it doesn't matter about your past. You put your past, your fears, and you put a good attitude on and you wait. Because God's wanting to use you. You can't change your beginning. Listen to me. You may not can change your beginning, but you can change your ending. You can change your ending from today. You are who you are for a reason. You're part of an intricate plan. You're a precious and perfect, unique design called God's special woman or man. God You look like you look for a reason. Our God made no mistake. He knit you together within the womb. You're just what he wanted to make. The parents you had, the ones he chose, and no matter how you may feel, they were custom designed with God's plan in mind, and they bear the master's seal. No, that trauma you faced was not easy. And God wept that it hurt you so. But it was allowed to shape your heart so that into his likeness you would grow. You are who you are for a reason. You've been formed by the master's rod. You are who you are, beloved, because there is a God.
Russell Kelfer wrote that. It's called You're Not an Accident. Jesus takes failures. He takes pain. He takes shame and guilt. And he turns it into greatness. He turns it into glory. All he wants you to do is to trust him. To give your life to him. To walk with him. You are a warrior. You are a warrior. We wear these things. It just says warrior. Willing, accepted, responsible, redeemed, important, obedient, and ready. That is you. That is me. And when you fight with his strength, you will claim your destiny. Got these coins that a buddy of mine gave me. And I, I, I walk around with him every day. He was a Green Beret, part of an elite special forces unit. And they made coins, and they carried these coins around. And I asked him one day, I said, man, why did, why did y'all carry this? What, what was it about that? He said, well, Chris, the coins remind you that it's not just about you. These remind you that it's about the person beside you. These remind you to be the best you can be. To be the best you can be. There's an old Danish proverb. And it says, your life is God's gift to you. What you do with your life is your gift to God. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Because you are His. You were created with an almighty plan that is good, perfect, and pleasing, and better than anything you can ever imagine. And there's only one thing that can get in the way of that, and that's us. But Jesus is saying, I'll do it. I'll take it. I'll give you the strength to overcome that. Are you willing? Fathers, we come before you now. We just thank you for your word, God. We thank you for your, your truth, for your strength, Father. You are good. You are good. And God, if there's people here that are struggling, that need to lay some of those down, God, would you give them the strength right now just to come before you, Father, wherever they are. It can be at the altars. It can be in their seat, wherever. But that, God, they would just... They would give their life to you. That they would be their best that they can be. Be the best they can be. Be the best they can be. Because God, you deserve that. In Jesus' name, amen.